Hello, my dudes. Welcome back to Previously Gifted. Today, we are doing a big, giant college podcast episode. I don't know why it was so hard for me to say that. Um, I asked you guys for questions on YouTube and on Instagram, and I collected them all and tried to narrow it down, but honestly, there's a lot of questions, so we should jump right in. Uh, If you haven't already watched the video on my main channel, I explain my whole college journey basically from high school, like senior year, and all of the decisions and uh, situations that I went through to graduate. So here we are, baby. Let's freaking do it. Let's talk about lots of things. First thing, uh, I want to start with some just general kind of thoughts about college. A lot of people have these like philosophical questions. First thing. College isn't for everyone, agree or disagree? This is kind of a juicy one. I would say I agree that college isn't for everyone, but not that everyone isn't meant for college, if that makes sense. I feel like it's more of a, um, you have to see if college is a good fit for you, not whether or not you fit into college. I think if anyone wants to pursue higher education, I want that to be available to everyone and Obviously, right now, there are a lot of factors that make it difficult for people to attend college. But if we had enough support and enough resources, and ideally free public college, that would make it a lot easier for anyone who wants to go to college to do that. Um, But I also know that there definitely are people who just do not like academics. And, you know, once they finish high school or whatever, they don't have that desire to pursue formal higher education. And there's also, of course, trade school. There are other options. You can, you know, self-teach yourself certain things depending on your field. So college doesn't have to be for everyone. I don't think you have to go to college to be successful. Definitely not. Um, And also, I think college might not be right for everyone at 18 years old. So I think that, you know, if you wait a little bit longer until you are ready or interested, then, you know, you can go whenever. I just, yeah, I do have a problem with the fact that college tends to be promoted as something that you have to go to right out of high school. And, you know, if you don't go to college, you'll never be successful, blah, blah, blah. Um, There's a lot of like classism in that. And it's especially problematic when you consider the fact that most colleges are not equipped enough to help students, all students, you know, depending on what types of support they need, be that financial or in terms of their learning or disabilities or anything else. So, yes. Next question. Is college in the U.S. a scam? (laughs) People tend to think that it is a scam because of the price, And also people say things like, you know, bachelor's degrees are essentially worthless now because, you know, a bachelor's degree is the new high school diploma. And like now you need a master's to do anything, Uh, which I think someone recently asked me about. They said if I was or they asked if I was going to do a master's. Oh, my God. It's like (laughs) I get that because, you know, college degrees are more popular now, more people are getting them, that to some extent it does impact the impact of having a degree. Like, yeah, it's not 
rare anymore, but I still think it is significant. I think it's an accomplishment, but yeah, that speaks to the whole job market and like, do these jobs, these entry level jobs that require a degree, even if it's completely unrelated, it's like, is there a point to that? Like other than again, like this arbitrary limitation to lock certain people out of that position. It's all fucked up, you know? <laughs> um, but is college a scam in the US? I, I definitely agree that high tuition costs are a scam. Like, yeah, absolutely. Especially at schools where a lot of your tuition costs or your other fees go toward, you know, facilities and athletics and stuff, which of course those are necessary. You need facilities, you need upkeep, and a lot of people do really enjoy the athletic or other programs at the school, but I think it is a scam when, you know, all tuition is hiked up for the sake of like upgrading a coliseum. <laughs> Can you tell I didn't go to like a big sporty college? Um, when, you know, an arena is updated for no reason except just aesthetics and then all students have to pay the price for that. That's fucked up. But obviously there's been a lot of inflation and other reasons ah, that high school, uh, that <laughs> high school, that tuition cost is going up. I, I won't even pretend to know the reasoning or the economics behind it. I don't care. All I know is, yes, the cost is too damn high. And also the cost of housing, especially for college students in college towns or anywhere else is just, you know, impossibly high. And that's really a big reason why a lot of people have to take out more loans is to cover the cost of housing. Um, but yes, is college a scam? I have a lot of notes, so that's why I keep reading them out. I had written that um, I do see the value in getting a degree because I personally think that college is about more than just preparing for a career. It's not just, for me, again, it's not just getting this paper so that I can go and like get whatever specific job. I do think that the actual experience of going to college and the the personal growth and the knowledge that you find there are valuable and they may not be necessarily quantifiable, but I do think, uh, I guess, I guess I've just fallen for the liberal arts college kind of, uh, ideas and that like, yeah, like I think it's helpful for people to study these things and they don't have to have this like very practical use. But, um, oh God, I could have all my beef with the people who are like, why would you study something stupid like women's studies or media studies, <laughs> which is my major. I'm sure there are people who'd be like, if you're going to college for anything other than STEM, you're an idiot. And it's like, yeah, because like there's no use in society for anything else. Like, come on. Okay. Anyway, but I also think um, as valuable as the experiences from going to college can be, I also think it's obviously, I'm going to repeat myself a million times, it's classist to assume that the only way that people can find experiences or growth or knowledge is in a formal higher education setting. Of course, that's not true. Um, I think you have to look at, you know, life experiences and job experience versus academic education. I don't think you can compare those apples to apples. And often people are experiencing them at the same time. Like, you know, people who are in college are also experiencing life and they're also most likely working in some capacity. So yeah, it's, it's all different types of knowledge and education and experience. And I just think generally big fan of... <laughs> 
experiences that you can learn from. Big fan of learning in whatever form that may be. Um, but again, anyone who would like to pursue higher education or a trade education, any sort of education, uh, certifications, whatever, uh, I want that opportunity to be available to anyone who wants it. And not just available, <laughs> not just accessible, but like really truly feasible, again, in terms of funding and support. Wow, popping off about this. <laughs> Last thing, or, or you know, there's a lot more, whatever. I got a couple questions about going to college for knowledge or the experiences in personal growth, as I just mentioned, versus purely for your career. And also in terms of choosing a major, should you pick what pays more or what is more interesting to you? Obviously, I can only speak for myself. I can't speak on anybody else's uh, position or what they prioritize. For me personally, um, yeah, college has always been about more than... <laughs> just getting a degree, though in the last few years, especially since I transferred, I have mostly been focused on, I'm just commuting, I'm going to class, I just wanna get this degree. For what? I don't know. I'm gonna have the degree, hang it on my wall, we'll see when I use it and in what ways. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I talked about this, I think, in my episode with Nicole when we talked about the college experience, but I said, like, the, you, the typical time that people tend to go to college also tends to be a time in life where you grow a lot and you experience new things for the first time. So I think whether or not you're in college at that time or during, during those life stages, you're going to be learning and experiencing a lot of things regardless. In terms of choosing a major, I clearly, as an ex-film student and now media studies major, have picked what is interesting to me. I never considered going to college based on what would pay more. Um, I never really considered <laughs> like, what sort of job can I get? What does that pay? What does my career prospect look like? Which some people wouldn't advise, but um, Again, my, my philosophy about college was not just like, oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna study whatever can make me the most money and that's it. That's just not how I've thought about it. But also that's a very privileged position and I acknowledge that. Even though through most of my college experience, I was a low income student and you know I wasn't privileged financially um, until very recently with the money that I've been earning in the last few years. But um, yeah, it is a privileged position to be able to say, oh, I just wanna pursue what I want and I don't need to consider how much I'm going to earn. But also I think, I don't know, I feel like it just comes from this like insistence that we should have value for arts and for other majors and just things that aren't purely practical, so to speak. Like, you know, obviously society benefits from everyone not just being STEM or business or I mean, I don't know, what's, what's a, what's a so-called practical major? I would say you have to look at your priorities and if you have a vision for the future, what does that look like? Do you just want to make sure that you can earn a comfortable, reliable living? If so, then, you know, good idea, <laughs> good, good thing to, to go for. Um, then yeah, you might want to pursue something that's a little more reliable and stable and something that's perhaps uh, easier to get a job in, you know, less of a, a risk. And if you, you know, just want to study what you're passionate about, then you can do that, you know? So not much advice for me. <laughs> and then I have a few points about knowledge without college. Again, these similar kind of questions. Um, 
people ask, do you think college is worth it compared to just learning on your own? And also, do you think you could have gotten the same knowledge without college? <laughs> that rhyme just gets me. Um, yeah, this is a tough one. I think if I were organized and somehow had the motivation and discipline to organize a curriculum for myself and teach myself these things and actually stick to it, I could have, of course, read books. I could have read a lot of the books that my professors sell and assigned in their classes. I could watch the same movies, but of course I wouldn't have had the same experience. I wouldn't have had my professor's expertise or their perspectives. I wouldn't have had the benefit of learning from other students, which I think is very important. Um, I just think learning in a group setting is beneficial because of course it uh, helps to expand your mind and you're not too, I mean, like, again, this is kind of what I think about when I'm making my internet analysis videos is like, I want to explore a certain topic, but I don't want it to be limited to just my perspective because that's of course going to be narrow and based on my own life experiences and things. So I try to go beyond that, um, which is a challenge. It's hard to know what you should be looking for if you don't know what to look for, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> And also, I definitely would not have studied certain subjects if they were not required courses, <laughs> which, you know, some of those things I could definitely have, you know, lived without knowing. Uh, but there were some classes and lessons that were surprisingly useful and enjoyable. So, yeah, again, I think obviously there are a lot of things that you can learn without college or skills or, you know, you can do your own research, of course. But I think that you know, college is beneficial in terms of, you know, sometimes forcing you to learn things, but also teaching you how to research, hopefully, and how to think critically. And then, of course, you use those skills to, uh, you know, do your own stuff beyond that. And again, I'm going to repeat myself a million times. Of course, you can learn how to research, how to think critically without college. That, you know, I hope I don't have to say that to every point. <laughs> Someone just asked, was it worth it to finish my degree? And yes, it was. Um, again, not necessarily in terms of like, I don't know what the financial payoff will be because that's very nebulous in terms of being a YouTuber. I am using my media studies degree in the sense that like the knowledge is helpful in the YouTube videos that I make, <laughs> but obviously it's like this degree is not going to get me a job right now because I'm not applying for regular jobs at the moment. But still, um, yeah, there were many times where I wanted to drop out and there were times that I was taking, you know, a year off while I was trying to transfer and all of that. And there were times where I was just like, you know what, why am I doing this? Why am I going through all this effort and hassle? Is this worth it? What's the point? And I, I feel like a lot of it came down to like, my stubbornness. I was like, well, you've already put in however much time and effort and money, those student loans, you know, I would rather finish the degree and feel like the loans, for example, were worth it or the time or the effort rather than uh, only completing half of the degree and having nothing to show for it. So yeah, yeah, it was definitely worth it. And now I feel like I have this big you know, weight off of my shoulders, and I feel this relief and this accomplishment. And um, again, I know that not everyone is in the position where they can finish their degree, and there are lots of barriers 
that get in the way of that. But I hope that anyone out there who, you know, maybe stopped or, you know, dropped out, whatever you want to call it, if you ever want to return, I hope that you were able to because, um, yeah, I think, I think eventually it will be worth it, but it depends on your situation. Thoughts on the hype around Ivy League and other prestigious schools. This is fascinating. Um, <laughs> I, well, being from California, I don't think a lot of my classmates were interested in the Ivy League very much, except maybe Stanford, um, because I feel like the Ivy League tends to attract more East Coast people, you know, like legacy students. Like their parents want to eat in the Ivy Leagues. You're probably still living on the East Coast. Maybe that's a complete uh, myth on my part. But from what I remember, most of the students I went to high school with wanted to stay in California. Maybe that's just to stay closer to home. But also, you know, you could go if you wanted to aim the highest locally, you'd probably aim for UCLA or Berkeley. Um, but there are a lot of really great schools in California. Anyway, um, I'm just saying I didn't have much consideration of Ivy League educations because, well, first of all, again, low-income student. I think there were moments where I, you know, I wanted that prestige and I wanted to prove that I could get into these schools. Um, again, as a previously gifted student, I I definitely had that ego, you know, where I I felt like the only way to prove myself was with scores or grades or acceptances to these schools, these competitive, you know, picky schools. And um, yeah, I never ended up applying to any like Ivy Leagues or anything, but uh, you know, I did apply to NYU, I got in and I felt really good about myself. NYU is not necessarily that comparable to Ivy Leagues, but whatever. I think generally, um, at least from my perspective, I think people want to go to these prestigious schools for that name recognition on your resume because it's impressive for anyone you tell. They're like, oh, you went to so-and-so, that's great. Um, and then I guess the networking, which again, I'm not personally familiar with. Um, I do acknowledge that networking is important, allegedly, as someone who's like never networked, terrible. Um, but you could technically network at any college to some extent, but of course you're not gonna necessarily get the exact same connections. My thing about Ivy Leagues is like at the, at the end of the day, they tend to be obviously still very, very elitist institutions. That's what they're based in. That's what their reputation is about. Uh, primarily rich kids, legacy kids are still able to go to those schools because of their you know, family's financial position. And um, I've, I've read a few articles about kind of trying to break the mold of Ivy Leagues and let in more quote unquote diverse students, lower income students, students from different backgrounds, but still primarily um, your future and your path and your expected income is largely impacted by, you know, your families, your parents' income. So yeah, I hope, I hope that these prestigious schools continue again to let in um, students who really need that maybe like institutional help to um what is it called to to raise your <laughs> what the fuck is the phrase you know um when you go from one income level to the next raise your status or class 
class mobility, class mobility. Wow, graduated college and I'm already forgetting everything. Yes, um, I think it would be great if these prestigious institutions were really focusing on helping these talented students, you know, experience class mobility rather than continuing to just cater to rich kids who are already going to be rich kind of no matter what they do. You know? <laughs> okay, I'm going to take a quick break and then we will be back to talk about gap years, first generation stuff, finances, the college experience, and more. Stay tuned. We're back. All right, let's try to do these quickly, just so you know we can get to more topics. Gap years, or being a slightly older student. Is it hard to go back to college after a break? Um, a lot of people told me in high school when I said that I didn't want to go to college right away, they said, if you don't go to college right after high school, you'll never go. And that was such bullshit, and I'm actually very mad that people perpetuate that idea because, yes, for some people it might be more difficult, life might get more complicated um, if you, you know, graduate high school and then join the workforce. It's, it's hard, I'm sure, to go back to college. I mean, I've done it multiple times. Um, but to say that there's no way that you're ever going to go back to college or somehow you're going to lose that motivation to go is just complete bullshit. So, fuck off. <laughs> Uh, but also for, I'd say, things like math, science, and French for myself, I was very rusty. It was definitely hard to get back into it um, after taking time off. But, I mean, you just have to study. You have to review. And it's not like it isn't manageable. So I think it's okay. For other classes, I just had to get back into the swing of like reading, writing, researching, doing assignments, which again, you know, it's doable. You just have to get, get used to it. You'd be surprised how fast you get back into the swing of college. Um, and someone asked, is it hard to graduate later than your peers? Yeah, I would say emotionally it was hard. When was it? Maybe 2018 when a lot of my high school peers were graduating from college and um, yeah, I felt, I felt a little left out. I felt like, you know, that could have been me in an alternate reality. I could have just gone straight to, you know, a California school right after high school, like everyone else, everyone else, you know, like most of the people I'd seen, but definitely not everyone. Um, but I mean, after I got over that moment of sadness, I was like, ah, fuck it. Okay, I have my own shit to do. I am going to go back to school. I'm going to finish when I can. And that's that. So I don't think it's worth, you know, beating yourself up about or being too upset about because it's fine. Um, all right, some questions about being a first generation student, which, which means that you are first in your immediate family to go to college. So someone asked, you know, how did that impact you? And um, as I've written down, I said I had to handle each process entirely on my own, which I have always been a very independent person, even when I was, you know, living at home with my family, I handled my own stuff primarily and I didn't want anyone to be involved. So, um, you know, even if things were different, my parents knew more about the college process, I probably would have been like, no, no, I'll handle it. Uh, so I just pretty much had to ask my parents for all their tax info to do the FAFSA, financial aid stuff, but that wasn't too bad. Um, and then, um, 
generally I expect that, you know, if your parents are college educated, that they're more likely to focus on college prep for you, like test courses and, you know, encouraging you to take the SAT or the ACT, ACT, what did I just say? Multiple times. Um, I, <laughs> I think I missed the deadline to take the SAT or decided not to my senior year because I didn't want to go to college right away. But then Obviously, during my gap year, when I realized I did want to apply to college, I needed an SAT score, and I had to take the SAT that year, which was a little bit harder, and I'm always salty because I know that my score could have been way higher if I had taken it my junior or senior year when I was still like in the swing of things. So taking it my, you know, during my gap year, I probably forgot a lot of the math stuff. So <sighs> should I still be salty about what my SAT score was, no. I mean, it was it was very good, considering the fact that I never like studied for it and I didn't prep for it in any way. <laughs> and I took it during a gap year, whatever. Still humble bragging about my fucking stupid accomplishments from like 2014 or 2015. What am I doing? This is peak previously gifted behavior. Um, anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, generally my parents have been obviously very supportive of me, um, but you know, in terms of figuring things out, I have just always done it on my own. But I will say that it was great for my little brother. He is going to UC Santa Barbara, so he's the second in our family to go to a um, university and pursue a bachelor's degree. So I think my knowledge of all of the processes and stuff uh, was really helpful when it came time for him to apply and deal with financial aid and stuff. So I'm really glad that I could help him. I definitely act like a third parent to him a lot of the time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I always feel like I'm like annoying, but I'm, you know, the, the I'm the responsible older sister. Not that my other sister or our sister is not responsible. But anyway, I'm the one who's always like, I feel like I'm the type of person who always wants to solve everyone else's problems, even when they don't ask for it. <laughs> so if I ever hear someone is struggling with something or they have a question, I'm like, I'm already researching it and then I'm going to like send them a plan. So I'm like that with my brother a lot. I'm like, here, all we have to do to manage and organize your whole life is this, 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 and this. And sometimes he does not listen to me and it's frustrating, but it's fine. He's his own person. Next section is all about finances. Ooh, fun. Um, first question. Did you know how you would pay for college from the start? And did the money aspect stress you out? Yes, of course it stressed me out. Um, no, I had no idea how I would pay for college. Like I never, I never thought my parents had a college fund for me. That was obviously never in the cards. Um, I just kept hearing again from college prep people and people at high school like, oh, scholarships and grants. In my college prep class, which is CCP in high school, the guy kept saying like, free money, free money. And he just kept showing us these like scholarship application websites. And it's like, that's actually the least efficient way for a student to figure out their financial aid situation. And I'm, I, I, the more I think about it, the more salty I get. I had mentioned this in my main channel video, but the fact that there is so little transparency in the financial aid process and the fact that a lot of high school counselors, college, you know, they're supposed to help you plan for that shit. 
I feel like they don't emphasize the stuff that's actually the most helpful. And I don't want to shit on them because I know their job is hard and whatever. Um, but at least from what I remember of my experience, I just don't remember um, having the most helpful resources recommended to me. And that would have been nice, you know? So uh, yeah, I, I remember I randomly picked like these fancy ass colleges that I wanted to go to purely based off of like location. Like I think I wanted to go to like Pepperdine, which um, I'm pretty sure is a Christian school and I don't think I would have actually wanted to go there um, because I'm not religious and also I'm not a rich kid. So it's like rich and Christian or not. Oh, do I want to be there? Not really. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I had all these, you know, schools that I wanted to go to, but I had no clue how much it would end up costing me. And I remember my mom looked at one of those financial aid estimator calculators for one of the schools I wanted to go to. And she was like, Tiff, uh, this says that it'll cost us 50 grand a year or something like that. And I was like, yeah, yikes. I was like, I don't think that's, that's not doable. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I knew that I would need to rely on scholarships and grants. And I had dreamed of somehow going to a school that offered me a full ride, but it's like, are full rides even offered really to people who aren't athletes? <laughs> I don't know. Um, someone asked, are you almost finished paying off your loans? Yes, I am. I think I started out with 27,000 in student loans total and I am down to 7,000. So that is great. And as I've mentioned recently, it's um, just my, my last subsidized loans but now that i'm out of school they're not subsidized anymore so i will be back to paying those and hopefully pay off that last bit soon but i'm not in like a huge rush because the interest shouldn't be too bad best way to save money in college i don't know if you mean like save money like not spend money or like actually put money in savings i'll tell you how to cut down on expenses maybe definitely consider a community college. I wish I had done that, but based on my path, I just didn't even think it was an option, which maybe might've saved me a lot of hassle. But yes, I think everyone should consider community college. Absolutely. For the sake of like getting used to the college workload and everything, but also, yeah, save your coin. Usually community college is, a, is way, way, way more affordable than a four-year university. So might as well look into it for sure. Um, second thing is I think you should, I wrote down, make your decision on where to go to school based on your financial aid offers, which is maybe extreme, but I do think that needs to be a really heavily weighted part of your decision. Um, especially if you are a student where money is a factor. <laughs> If money's not a factor, shit, go wherever you want. But um, yeah, I, I have looked at a lot of my financial aid packages over the years. And um, many times, you know, the schools that were the most affordable, quote unquote, were not necessarily my top picks. But I think it is important to go, okay, do I want to go, for example, to NYU for 40 grand a year plus living costs plus rent? Uh, or do I want to go to this school for 10,000? Or like I actually ended up doing, I transferred to CUNY, Hunter College, shouts out, and financial aid covered all of my tuition. So I just had to focus on paying rent and all my other bills. But to know that my full tuition costs were covered was really, really great. And that I didn't have to take out any additional loans really helped me. Oop, choking. 
really helped me focus on uh, my goals of paying off my credit card debt and some of my student loans while I was still finishing school. So that was really great. Yeah, when I hear these stories of people who, I'm sure some of you listening, are in this boat where people say, you know, oh, by the time I graduate with my bachelor's, I'm gonna have, you know, $100,000 in debt. If you're in a position where you can either say no to that offer if you haven't started school yet, or if you're in a position where you can transfer to a cheaper school, I highly recommend it because as much as I think college is valuable if it's something that you want to do, I think there is a limit to that. <laughs> and I think I think it's really important to be careful how much money you accept in terms of loans and how much you think is feasible or affordable, especially when you're like 18 signing up for college um, because... Um, yeah, sometimes you graduate and then you realize, oh shit, 18, you know, freshman, freshman me had no idea that this amount of money is actually not okay. And, you know, you don't want to regret spending too much if possible. Next question, or I mean, next way to save money, I guess. I said living off campus is usually cheaper than dorms. So here in the US, most colleges require freshmen to live in the dorms, and then sometimes they also require sophomores. Like Loyola, my first school, required sophomores to live in the dorms, and I was so done with the dorms, and um, one part of the reason why I was really sick uh, my freshman year was because I was a gluten-free vegan. Jesus Christ, very restrictive. Um, gluten-free because I thought I had a gluten sensitivity and vegan by choice. Um, and usually, like if you're cooking at home and buying groceries, that's doable. It's still a little hard, but it's doable. Um, but with the dining hall, it was really hard for me to find food that was nutritious enough um, consistently. And so I just, I was probably deficient in a lot of things at that time, and that definitely wasn't helping me. So uh, after my freshman year, paying for the dorm, paying for the mandatory meal plan, I was like, you know what? Um, I want to live off campus and I had to go through this fucking process of I had to go to a therapist and get a doctor's note that basically that my anxiety and everything with my physical health um, was a good enough excuse to allow me to live off campus and I'm like why do you have to make students you force students to either live in the dorms which again are very expensive you force them to pay for the meal plans or they have to go through jumping through all these hoops to get the get the you know the luxury of then living off campus. Oh god. But it was worth it. It was very worth it. Even though I was only there off campus for one semester, it was the best. My room was nice and I got to cook my own meals, which was great and I didn't have to eat in the dining hall. <laughs> um yes. Generally, again, as I mentioned, Financial aid is an absolute mess. Um, the expense calculators that a lot of schools have, you know, they'll say, oh, enter your family's income and all these other things and we'll help you estimate how much, you know, financial aid you'll get or how much it'll cost you. Those calculators are so unreliable because I've tried every single one of them for all the schools that I applied to and I usually ended up being shocked when I got my actual financial aid offer, which you only get usually after you've been accepted. And then by then they're like, hey, you have two weeks to make a decision. Are you going to go here or not? And it's like, Jesus Christ, give me some time. I've got to sort out my affairs. Um, 
Yeah, need-based versus merit-based aid can be very hard to predict unless a school blatantly says, you know, like, you get this scholarship if you have this GPA or this family income. That makes it a little more clear. And the whole idea of your EFC. EFC is your estimated family contribution. That's what the financial aid system relies on based on their calculations. They don't ask you, hey, how much can your family afford? No, they just calculate it based on whatever. And so um, that obviously assumes that your family, your parents can and will contribute to your financial aid, your college expenses. And for a lot of students, their parents are not willing to contribute, yet you are forced to um, have your family's income represent your financial need. So like for me, um, well, my, my EFC, I think a few years was zero, luckily. So I got like the max financial aid, but then some years our EFC would go up, but those few thousand dollars or whatever, like my parents didn't actually have that money to give me for college. So I had a greater estimated contribution, but where's that money gonna come from? So like, I just had to take out more in loans, basically. It's a very imperfect system. I get that they're ideally hoping that every family, every parent has a college fund and is ready to contribute a certain amount of money to their kid's college, but that's not always doable at all. So, sorry, I think there's that zappy noise being heard again, which is annoying. I also realized I broke my headphones, if you can see on the video. I don't know how I did that. This is like the little like <laughs> volume button on the headphones uh, wire, and I broke it last time I was recording, so I don't know what happened. Anyway, it's a mess. The financial aid system is a mess, and you're considered a dependent student, meaning that they calculate your family's income uh, and your income to figure out your contribution until you're like 20... Four, I think. So luckily, by the time that I was transferring to Hunter, I was considered an independent student by age. So I was able to do all my financial aid stuff, fill it all out just based on my income, which at that time was very low. So hence why I got pretty generous financial aid. It's so much fun, you guys. For those of you who are not in the United States, or if you're in a country that um, has much more affordable public universities, dude, we are jealous because here in the US, again, maybe it's better than some places, but it is very messy and it is very expensive. So it's not the easiest thing to navigate. Let's continue. The college experience and social questions. Do you think it's better to leave your hometown for university? For me, yes, I think a lot of my favorite experiences and my growth and all of that has come from moving away from my hometown I've definitely missed it. I've missed my friends. I've missed my home state. I've missed my family. But, you know, I've lived in New Orleans and then France and then England for a minute and New York. So, um, you know, I've been all over the place and I've enjoyed that. But um, I think generally it, 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 <laughs> wow. it depends on your situation. If you um, weigh the pros and cons and think it's better for you to move away and to maybe live on or near campus rather than like commuting from your parents' home, if that's a possibility. Um, but yeah, some people love to stay around their hometown. It depends on where you live and, and where you live and what you want to do. So for me, yes, but for anyone else, I mean, also, my hometown is nice. I wish I could go back and visit. It's just not like a very like college-y place. It's not like super 
great for like young adults. There's not a lot to do. It's mostly just families, suburbs, Orange County, you know? So it depends on the area. Um, <laughs> I'm just totally rambling. Um, next question. Did you participate in social things like parties or extracurriculars? No. Um, I mean, I'm sure I went to a few parties, but like very few. And extracurriculars, no. I very briefly was in Loyola's film club, but I was not very active. Um, and yeah, generally, if you know me, you're probably aware, I am not the most social person. I'm pretty introverted and uh, it takes a lot of energy for me to get out there. So unfortunately, no. But also I realized like that's just not what I value. Like again, it's considered to be part of the, you know, central college experience to be super social and make a lot of friends and go to parties and join all these clubs. And it's like, in reality, especially for me, I just didn't have time between like YouTube and work study or any other jobs and like whatever priorities I wanted along with school. I just didn't really have the time or interest in going to ragers, you know? Like if you took me to a frat party, that would be the worst time of my life. Like I would hate it. I mean, I, I was taken to a few <laughs> frat parties at Loyola, but Loyola's Greek life is pretty small because it's a small school. So it wasn't like, you know, I almost just referenced House Bunny, a fictional film about Anna Ferris becoming the house mom to whatever. Um, yeah, it's not like a big, you know, state school where, you know, you have like Greek row and all these mansions where the sororities and fraternities are nothing like that uh next question someone asked did you meet your people quote unquote your people uh and how was the experience of making friends was it harder after moving <sighs> again this one's a little more sad um even though i didn't care about parties or whatever i uh i am sad that i haven't had the best friend making experiences but here's the thing i did meet great people in each you know, step of my college journey. You know, at Loyola, I did meet a few people that I really liked, friends, but I wasn't like best friends with anyone. And then of course, when you move, it's hard to stay connected. And you know, I still like keep in touch very loosely with some people, but um, not really. And then study abroad, we had our group and you know, I keep in touch a little more closely with a few of the girls specifically. Um, and they're great people. But, you know, we live all over the place and the reality is, like, we just can't physically be in the same space very often. We did last January. Oh my god, that was a year ago. We had a little mini reunion in Charleston and uh, that was a really fun time. So it's cool to make friends that, you know, you can keep in touch with and you can reconnect with when possible. Another of my friends came to visit New York and we got to meet up and hang out in Brooklyn for a day, so that was nice. Um, and then, yeah, I've met friends like at camp and I've, you know, I, I, I'll get close with people. But then when you leave, I find it really hard to keep up friendships because I'm terrible at like texting people or like calling or FaceTiming regularly. So like, I, yeah, I find it really hard to maintain friendships unless I see people in person. And these days I don't see anyone in person except Nathan. And um, I do keep in touch with my family, luckily. <laughs> I feel like I have these like long calls with my parents. Like I talk to my parents now more than I ever have since I've moved out. 
and it's really nice. And then I talk to my little brother pretty frequently because he's always calling and he always has stories to tell. And then, you know, I keep up with my sister. Now she's a mom, so I get to see all my cute nephew baby pictures. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I did not have the usual expected college social experience. Like I'm, I'm very jealous of people who went to college and made like a solid friend group and they're gonna be friends for life, you know. But I also think that that's a lot more rare than, um, you know, we see it depicted in media. So um, it's kind of an unrealistic expectation. And the whole idea of, a, of having like a friends, like the show ty type of adult friendship group is like extremely rare. Like I miss that more than anything. I miss my hometown friend group where it's like, oh, it's like a larger extended group and everyone's friends. And you have like maybe a smaller subgroup where you guys like always hang out or it's always like a known thing. And I miss that. I miss having a group because it's hard when you're an adult, like you make a friend here and there and there, but like you can't just bring everyone together and expect them all to vibe and, and become friends. Sometimes they do, but it's like you kind of have to hang out with like this group here and my book club here. Not that I'm in a book club, but for example, and like my friends over there, like you have to have separate subgroups of friends, I think. But for me, I don't, <laughs> I don't really have any friend groups. Again, I don't want it to be a sad, uh, I don't have any friends story. I already made that podcast episode a couple episodes ago. Um, but as always, it's on my list to try to put myself out there more try to invest more energy into my friendships because it is important. And especially during 2020, I realized how important, obviously, friendships and relationships are and you have to nurture them and you have to let people know that you care about them. You have to go out of your way to keep up with the people that you care about. So note to self. All right, we'll be back with another question in a moment. back. Okay, I have a couple quick questions about study abroad. Is study abroad worth the cost, hassle, and stress? Yes, for me, 1000%. I talked a little bit about it in the main channel video, but yes, cost, hassle, stress for me, absolutely would never trade it for anything. Uh, someone asked, how did it shape your outlook on the rest of your time in college? I think my study abroad semester definitely, like, it was the most satisfying semester, and like the most fun. So I feel like it helps me feel more at peace with the rest of my college experience. Like the rest of my experience, especially once I transferred, was just like commuter student. Like literally I just go to college, go to class, don't socialize. I'm not there to have fun. Um, I'm just there to do my degree and get out. Um, so I feel like my study abroad experience made me feel like, you know, it's okay. Like I had my moments again. Like I, you know, I did the regular kind of college thing. I lived in a dorm and then I got the chance to study abroad. So I feel like I had enough of the experiences that I had wanted to where I didn't have anything to feel regret about. So I feel like that's how it shaped me, but also obviously in terms of like worldview or like other issues, like it definitely expanded my horizons, so to speak. That sounds so cliche, but it's true. Switching topics, now we will discuss a couple of COVID questions. Someone asked, was the quality of your education different during COVID compared to normal? And yes, of course, I think everyone's uh, education has been impacted if you're doing online classes when you're not a 
accustomed to that. Um, yeah, my some of my courses were much worse, specifically, unfortunately, my French class. That was really hard. That was a professor that just definitely didn't, you know, have the experience with the technology. And it's hard. I think it's certain classes are a lot harder to try to do over Zoom. Luckily for me, though, uh, in, in the time since lockdown started, I was doing a lot of my film and media classes. And those are a little bit easier to adapt to the online format. And so we would like come on and, you know, have discussions, but we could read or watch the lectures separately and we could watch the movies on our own time. So it wasn't as bad as I'm sure it is for other people in different um, subjects, different majors. Next question, how was your experience in quarantine? Um, very quickly, because I'm sure I've mentioned this. Generally, in terms of schoolwork, it was very hard for me to focus, extremely hard, especially toward the beginning. Um, everything academically felt very irrelevant and unimportant. Like, you know, obviously, when the whole world feels like it's burning, I don't care about <laughs> media studies or I don't care about this book that I'm supposed to be reading. And then, of course, I had my health anxiety triggers, which are always difficult for me to manage. And that was definitely the worst when I actually had COVID and still had schoolwork to do. It was just incredibly hard for me to separate that and get my health anxiety out of my head. So that was tough. Last question about COVID. Do you think it's worth starting a new degree during COVID or waiting until it gets better? This is a, an interesting question. It's something that my little brother has also questioned because he's very into the college experience. He's very into the extracurriculars and socializing. So he feels like he's missing out on like prime years of his college experience. And um, again, I totally get that a lot of students feel that. Um, what I've said to my brother is like, okay, you can take time off if you want, but he currently relies on his financial aid to help him pay his rent uh, near campus, even though all of his classes are online. And I said, you know, if you take time off of school, you're not gonna have your financial aid, so you're just gonna have to know that you'll need to work full-time, work enough and earn enough to be able to pay your bills. Like, that's the main thing. But I do understand why people might wanna pause college and not, you know, have this short amount of time, relatively short, the expected four years of college, have too much of that taken up during COVID, during online school and all of that. So yeah, it's a really hard question, but it's also hard because we don't know when things are gonna be quote unquote normal. We don't know if, when things will improve enough to even reliably have in-person classes. So you'd have to be prepared to potentially put off school for another year at least, or you might have to play it by ear. But I, I totally understand why people might want to do that. Uh, you just have to, again, look at your situation, weigh the pros and cons. Can you see that this is how I address every question in my own life? I'm just like, literally write a pros and cons list. It's that easy. And then, you know, weigh your options. What are your priorities? Of course, it's not that easy, but that's how I tend to think about things. Then we have a couple of study tube questions, which I am definitely not uh, the best person for this, but I'll try to give my answers. People had asked tips for procrastination, which I am truly 
a really bad procrastinator, so I'm not an expert on how to help you, but these are a few things that I've done at least in the last year to help myself a little bit. Uh, so this year, especially the last semester, I had to plan out my weeks because I was looking at my syllabi and I was seeing, okay, I, all, I had all film and media classes, so I had readings due by certain days and lectures on certain days, and I had assignments due on certain days, and I had films to watch by each class. So with all of that, I was like, okay, I need to organize this. I need to be... I need to have a reliable weekly schedule so that I get these things done because you don't want to suddenly be like, oh, I have to watch three movies today and do all these readings before class. No, that's a nightmare. So I planned ahead like, okay, I'm gonna at least watch this class's movies like a day or two early or like whatever it fit into my schedule and made sense so that I wasn't overburdening myself on any day of the week. Um, and I tried to scatter my assignments when I would work on them so that I wouldn't have an overwhelming workload. These are all very basic tips. Um, though I was still turning in a lot of my written assignments at the last minute. Cause like, again, even if I give myself the time, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna work on this a week early. Mm, the pressure, <laughs> the pressure of procrastination is helpful and it's annoying, but yeah, I tend to be the type where I'm like, I won't really work on the shit until I absolutely have to. And that's annoying. But again, if there are any parts of your school workload that you can do, like if you like doing readings, which, okay, uh, then, you know, do those early and give yourself time and then, you know, figure out the other stuff that you have to do uh, when it makes sense. This is why I'm not a study tuber because it's not very helpful. Next question. How was the workload and imposter syndrome as a formerly gifted kid? Previously gifted much? Um, yeah, it's interesting. I think throughout my whole college experience, um, the effort that I had to put into my classes was pretty similar to high school. I don't remember there being much of a shock in terms of workload, but again, that depends because it's my major media studies and film. Probably not the most dense um, <laughs> majors. I would say, I think the hardest thing to adjust to for me was just realizing that like, grades and numbers and scores and prestige of the school that I'm at does not mean as much as I had thought maybe in high school. So um, yeah, that was just something I had to like accept in terms of my ego, I guess. Um, but of course I still cared about my GPA right until I saw my very final grade for my final class. I was like, ah, okay, sure, whatever. I'll talk about that in a couple minutes. Last question in this section, how do slash did you stay organized? Basically my big thing is I have to write everything down. I will forget everything. So I have a weekly and monthly planner where I write like assignment due dates and blah, 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 so that I can see the big picture. And then I also have a separate notebook where I write my more daily to-do lists. So that helps me focus and figure out what my priorities are and the timing that I have to do everything. Next section, we have my major and academics. Sorry if you just heard my leg fully crack. That's my hip. <laughs> uh, what is your major? Minor? So at Loyola, I was in the BFA, Bachelor of Fine Arts, Digital Filmmaking major, which is basically just film production. And at Hunter, I when I was transferring, I decided to change my major and I applied mostly um, it depends on what each school offered, 
but I was mainly looking for media studies or like communications in media are sometimes rolled into one. So at Hunter, I was doing media studies and my concentration was analysis and criticism. So hello, internet analysis. Hello. Um, that's my shit. And I really enjoyed that, um, you know, that plan for that major, if that makes sense. Hello, plane that's flying overhead. I love it. Uh, someone asked, what is a media major like? And I honestly don't know how to answer this question, which is hilarious as someone who just graduated with this degree. Um, <laughs> basically, my media major has had some production. So when I was a film major at Loyola, I did a lot of like intro to film, basic film courses. And then when I transferred, I had to do a lot of intro to media and film courses again. So I learned a lot of the same stuff all over again, which was really fun. Um, and then my more analysis and criticism classes, uh, there were different sections. So I had like one about representation. So I took a race and media class and a women in media class. So obviously those focus on those topics within media and, you know, watching media with a critical eye and blah, blah, blah. Um, not blah, blah, blah. It's important, obviously, but <laughs> etc. Um, and then we had a, I think we had a news and politics section. So I took a news literacy class and I took, I think my digital privacy. No, that was in a different, I had like a, Oh wait, no, I took a media and politics class. Yes. And then there was another section where I took um, digital privacy and pandemic, which was interesting. Learning about digital privacy. Hello, the social dilemma, all that jazz. Uh, that was before the social dilemma came out. But anyway, yeah, it's hard to explain, but essentially learned a lot about how media is made and then learned how to question media and how to question the institutions and how do we create media in ways that is critical or ways that represent whatever we're trying to promote or whatever we're trying to criticize. So I enjoyed it. <laughs> Obviously media studies, any sort of studies course uh, tends to be, I guess, less tangible, if that makes sense. So like, you're just kind of like, yeah, you're just critically thinking. You're just critically thinking all the time. That's what my major is. I'm a critical thinker and I've still always got to work on that because it's definitely a, a skill that you have to practice and continue using all the time. Anyway, as far as a minor goes, I had originally planned, I think just to minor in French because I was taking a lot of French classes at Loyola and then obviously I studied in France. Uh, but then when I came to Hunter and I looked at, you know, which courses transferred and what my credits looked like, I just wanted to graduate as soon as possible. And based on that, um, I ended up doing film as my focus, which is similar to a minor, but it's not like an official minor. Uh, but yeah, to graduate as soon as possible, I took film and I had to take a lot of my film classes right in my last semester, hence why I was taking all film and media classes all at once and it was a lot. But hey, at least I got to graduate. Um, also, I wrote a little bit about my credits, but honestly, I don't want to talk about it. So I took overall eight semesters, like regular full-time semesters. My first semester at Hunter, I was only taking that one intro course because of my residency issue. And then I took two summer sessions while I've been at Hunter, which were kind of fun. No, no, they weren't. <laughs> 
I do kind of like summer classes. Um, and each summer I took two courses. So I think I took like an American history one. And then I took like one of my intro to media production classes where we had to do a lot of Photoshop and shit that I don't like. And then this last summer I had my digital privacy and pandemic and news literacy classes. I like summer classes because it's it's nice to just have like less subjects to focus on, even though obviously they are more intense and um, you know, they expect more time from you in a short time span. In terms of GPA, the good goods, previously gifted, you guys wanna trade GPAs? Even though we acknowledge that it's not a measure of your self-worth or your value. Um, my Loyola GPA was a 3.89, and my Hunter graduation GPA is, I think, a 3.88. Uh, so I'm graduating magna cum laude. I had to Google that because the last time I wasn't able to say it right. I had to Google it. I had to write it down. I had to search, how do you pronounce this? Magna cum laude honors, which is the second highest honors. Uh, and yes, I am salty because... While I've been at Hunter, I think I got like two B pluses and I'm, I'm mad about them. I regret them. I can literally remember, oh, one was my science class because I missed a class and I couldn't turn in an, an assignment and I missed the class because my subway was running late and I wasn't going to make it to class on time. And so, yes, will I always regret these tiny little differences in my GPA and the impact that that might have had? How would my life be different if I graduated summa cum laude? It wouldn't, it would not be different in any way, but would my little previously gifted brain care? <laughs> yes, I would. <sighs> I gotta get over that. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about classes. People had some specific course questions, so let's go on through it. Someone asked, do you believe that failing your first semester is a rite of passage that all successful uni students must do? When I saw this question, my heart broke. Again, as a as a nerd, <laughs> nerd, quote unquote, as somebody who very much prioritizes getting good grades and thinks that a B plus is heartbreaking, if I failed a class, I would be devastated. And failing a whole semester of college, ooh, that's burning a lot of money. Again, no offense to anyone who's failed a semester or a class, it's hard. And I know that especially when you're a freshman and you're first adjusting to college, it totally makes sense that you might not know how difficult it might be and then you know you might not do as well as you wanted to um but i'm just i'm imagining how i would have responded if i failed even one class <sighs> that would really hurt me so no i don't think it's a rite of passage and i don't recommend it because honestly that's just a waste of your time and money frankly um if you would like to fail some semesters maybe i'd recommend doing that at community college where it at least costs a little bit less per credit. But again, I don't recommend it. Um, I think I think it helps people learn to take their classes more seriously because, you know, sometimes people are a little more focused on the socializing and getting used to the fun stuff of college that they forget to pay attention to their classes. But yes, the nerd in me is telling me, no, be a good student. <laughs> Which, hey, again, we're talking about college. I don't think that's an unpopular opinion that you should put effort into the thing that you're paying a lot for and or at least investing a lot of time in. So, yeah. <laughs> Next question. How did you balance college with YouTube or balance working with school? 
So throughout my whole college time, I have been on YouTube, but I've also had other jobs over the years, work study, or I've worked at a cafe. Um, I was an intern for a little bit. And um, basically the answer is I just didn't have a social life. And that wasn't intentional. It wasn't like, oh, I wanted a social life and I didn't have time, but I also didn't have time and I didn't really want it. <laughs> I've seen this thing that says like, pick two, sleep, good grades, and social life. And for me, I'm like, oh, absolutely, social life, don't need it. I will take sleep and good grades all day long um, because I need sleep and uh, my brain needs good grades. <laughs> social life, Eh, we'll pass. But um, that whole pick two thing, I'm like, that doesn't even include jobs. Hello? Hello? You got to work. That takes up a lot of time too. So that just makes it more difficult. The question of how do you balance it? In short, I'd say I didn't. But um, I would say like switching between panicking and stressing about one thing and then switching and panicking and stressing about the other the next day which is not healthy. But uh, generally I'd say it was a heavy workload and a lot of times it's hard for me to balance. I'm not the best, most organized or disciplined person. But uh, to me, I'm like, okay, well you just have to do <laughs> the things you have to do, which wow, great advice. But like, okay, if I have a sponsorship deadline, I have to hit that. Okay, I'm gonna have to prioritize this video this week. Or okay, I have an assignment due, I'm gonna have to prioritize that. So I'm sure there were nights where I lost sleep, but I tried to not make it a regular habit because again, sleep is very important and you gotta, you know, you gotta rest up so that you can get your shit done. Next question. What non-major class did you wish you could have taken? And yeah, that's a good question. Again, when I transferred to Hunter, pretty much all of my Loyola credits ended up being all of my elective credits. <laughs> Um, so I didn't need to take any more electives at Hunter. I didn't have any more room for it if I wanted to graduate on time. So I didn't get to take any like fun stuff really. I just got to choose within my required sections. Um, and I wish I got to take a philosophy course. I never got to take a philosophy course all through college and that's a bummer. I also wish I maybe could have taken another sociology course because I took Intro to Soch at Hunter. And then I think I took a sociology course at Loyola called Childhood Inequality, which I enjoyed. So yeah, I wish I could have taken another, but I didn't have room or time. Someone asked, what was your hardest class? And this would just be my math class or my science class. Um, I used to be pretty good at math and science. But then when I was in college, I just completely like, boop, forgot everything. Uh, the math class I took at Loyola was very difficult because it had been years since I took a math class at that point, probably like two and a half years. And I just forgot everything. And I don't think the professor was great. And I did not want to have to put in a ton of effort to like study for math. So I just wanted to skate on by and just barely get an A. That was my goal. And then at Hunter, I had to take one science class and it was just like a basic, was it a chem class? <laughs> Literally don't even know. Um, the problem was the lectures were in the biggest lecture hall that I had. I was really lucky and I had mostly very small class sizes um, through all of my college stuff. But of course, for some classes, you have a big lecture and then maybe you'll meet in a smaller group. But my science class, the lecture was massive 
And the lecturer would just like kind of drone on and everyone in the whole thing was just talking. So I literally could not hear this woman, even if I wanted to, and I couldn't follow what was happening. And because it was a big lecture and obviously they didn't take attendance, because it felt so pointless, I often just wouldn't go. And then the two times we had like a midterm and a test, a final, I just had no fucking clue what was going on and I had to like teach myself everything right before, which was really fun. Uh, but the actual lab for my science class was pretty fun and I liked the group that I worked with. Um, but yeah, I'm still mad that I, I think I got a B plus in science and uh, it was due to that one assignment. It's fine, it doesn't matter, I tell myself. <laughs> Okay, someone asked again about my class sizes, but again, mostly I had small ones, which are annoying because they do take attendance and sometimes I just didn't want to go, but I also think that in the classes where I didn't have mandatory attendance, like my SOCH, Intro to SOCH, I often skipped that one because I was just tired by that point of the day and wanted to leave. So I do feel like smaller classes are better to keep you accountable and actually go to your class, but... Sometimes it's nice to skip. Someone asked, most interesting or unique classes you took? And I wrote down, I took a modern slavery class my very first semester of freshman year at Loyola. I loved my professor. Um, she studies human trafficking, essentially, and the course was called Modern Slavery because it talks about, you know, trafficking as modern slavery, forced labor. And um, yeah, that was a very, very interesting, fascinating class. I learned a lot. And then I ended up doing that internship with her uh, for one of her research projects. So that was definitely a unique and interesting course. And then one of my favorites from Hunter was um, a class on Puerto Rico that I think I've mentioned in a couple of podcasts maybe, but it was just, it was random because it's much less related to the rest of the courses that I had to take. So it was like one of my different types of courses, but I just really liked the way that the professor formatted the class. I can't even describe, like it wasn't necessarily just Puerto Rico, Puerto Rican history or culture. I guess it was a combination of Puerto Rican history and culture, but also Puerto Ricans in the US and specifically Puerto Ricans living in New York City. So yeah, I really enjoyed that class. And I, I um, yeah, I, I got a lot from it that I can't, <laughs> I can't tell you right this minute, but I do remember that I enjoyed it. It was in 2019. You expect me to remember anything from the past? And we're back. Someone asked, favorite film and media courses? Obviously, I took a lot of film and media courses, but at Loyola, I really enjoyed my directing course. We actually had to like, we all got to rotate around and be different roles on the set, but then we also had to direct our own scene. And that was really scary and nerve wracking, but also a really enjoyable time. So I liked that one. And then at Hunter, I liked my intro to media studies lecture because it was just like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Again, if you've seen my video on PR and like propaganda, that came from that uh, lecture and I just enjoyed, I enjoyed all the basics about media and I was like, yes, this is the right major for me. I'm excited. And in my last semester, I took a class on horror film and I just really enjoyed it because um, I've never had a chance to watch horror 
critically and I've never learned like academically about the different subgenres of horror and you know what they represent in society <laughs> and uh, yeah I got to I got to watch some horror movies that I had seen in the past and I got to watch it with a new lens and I got to watch a lot of different horror that I never would have seen otherwise so I enjoyed that a lot that was my favorite course last semester a lot of my other classes last semester I did not enjoy. So it was nice to have at least one class that I enjoyed and I liked the way that the Zoom class was organized, but whatever. Um, last few questions about career and future. Look at me wearing my blazer. I rented this from Newly because uh, I wanna take some grad pictures uh, and I just thought that maybe I'd wanna look like a fancy, uh, you know, degreed bitch, degreed. Is that how I should describe myself? I don't know. Someone had asked, uh, grad school, post-grad plans. I, I definitely don't have plans to go to grad school anytime soon, but I could definitely see myself going someday. I had talked to my grandma about this, but I just thought like, um, I feel like I am, you know, a slightly academic person and I do enjoy formal education. And I could definitely see myself at some point craving that environment again and wanting that sort of challenge. So maybe I'll go to grad school someday. No idea what for yet, but uh, yeah, I, I could see that happening at some point. Even even if it's like in like 20, 30 years, who cares? Go back to school whenever you want, you know? Go learn <laughs> if that's what you need, but hopefully it won't be too expensive because I've heard grad school is pricey and I'm not about that. I'm not trying to get a shit ton more debt right now. Uh, post-grad plans, post YouTube videos, post podcasts, post on my second channel, hopefully be consistent, save money this year. That's my plan, short term. Uh, post-grad depression or feeling lost. A lot of people had asked about this, but I can't relate. Not that I'm not like stressed about like my life and my whole purpose, but um, I think a lot of people tend to feel sad after they graduate because if you're in like a college town or you're in a position where you have like your college friends and you feel really comfortable and lived in and like that's your whole life and then you graduate and you leave or your friends all leave, I can see how obviously that would be really sad and you would miss everyone and feel upset about that. But for me, again, as a commuter, I live with Nathan. Nothing about my life is really changing except I just don't have classes anymore and I just and I already have the job that I am going to continue working so I also don't have that stress of like oh I need to find a job like I don't have that whole same pressure so all I can say is that I feel for you if you're going through this or if you have gone through this um but at this point I can't relate but I'm sure I will have some period in my life where I have that same kind of feeling and uh cheers to that Last question, last question of the pod. If your YouTube had not taken off, what would you have pursued as a job? That's a great question. And of course, it's something that I think about, you know, like once once I don't wanna do YouTube anymore or once it's not feasible or whatever, what am I gonna pursue? Like, what the hell? I don't know. Again, who knows in the future what I will want to do, but I assume that I still would have wanted to find a job in video production or digital media specifically. Uh, that's been a passion of mine, obviously, the whole time I've been on YouTube, but um, back when I was like a senior in high school thinking about studying video production, I always wanted to work like 
for example, like for a BuzzFeed type of company, but not BuzzFeed because apparently they're terrible to their employees. Um, but yeah, like I would love to continue doing this sort of work. I am passionate about digital media and I think it actually would be nice to do a job where I'm not necessarily the face and the brand of the whole thing. So whether that's writing or researching scripting or even like producing, um, I don't think I'm a good enough editor to be an editor, but <laughs> maybe, maybe if I work on my skills. Um, yeah, so I, I think I would still be in this realm. That's something that I'd maybe do. I've considered like, would I wanna work in like social media, like advertising, like influencer work? Um, Cause obviously I'm familiar with that now from the creator's end, but I don't, know if I'd like to do that as a job, but who knows? I mean, I don't want to cross anything out. And of course, you know, when I need a different job someday, I don't think I want to be too picky. So we'll see. Um, what else had I written? Yes. During my, my gap years, I actually looked at a lot of these jobs to just see what the industry is like and if I could be hired for them without a degree. But a lot of them, or 99.9% .9 of them, did require a bachelor's degree. So at that time I was not qualified, but hey, now look at me, I've got a degree and I could say, hi, I have years of experience in digital media. Look at my YouTube channel, look at my podcast. I've created things, please hire me. That's my pitch. You are free to use that uh, <laughs> if you're, you know, getting uh, interviewed for a job soon. Just, well, it doesn't work if you don't have a YouTube channel to show, so I guess it's probably not a good response. Anyway, clearly I'm 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 getting off track and I'm about to lose my voice. But thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And please, if you're still listening, leave a comment on YouTube. Consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, and let me know if there are any specific topics that you would like me to cover. Because again, I want to be consistent with the podcast and. I'm sorry, I laugh every time I say that. I'm gonna be consistent, okay? We'll see, we'll see when it happens. I'll believe it when I see it. Thank you guys for listening and see you next time. Okay, thanks, bye.